You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. This is episode 158. My name is Marvin Yu and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once in future professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hello, Jess? Marvin. I'm taking another sabbatical again. I'm just not. I'm just living my life, and I'm wedding planning. Yeah, that's I'm why. I'm so envious. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's why I said future because we all know that you'll be back. You'll be back. This sounds like a the threat. Personal East American fold. That truly sounds I won't like a let threat. You leave me. Please, that's why, that's why. No, no, <laughs> no. Okay, fine, fine. If I must. Also joining us, the most professional culture editor, Han Win. Hey. hey. Han. Hey, <laughs> guys! Summer is here. Yeah, summer is it's hot as balls. <laughs> I'm I'm sweating at night. I'm gonna have to turn on my AC. So I'm yeah. sad that we missed the nice intermediate period we usually get. We got straight to balls hot. That's true. There was no spring this year in LA. Which no, is kind it was of just weird. Blade Runner. It was just Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just how the future is. It's just we're gonna lose. It's gonna be like um. Just like Hades Town, there's no more spring, no more fall, just summer oh and winter. You, no, you know we haven't seen it yet, so <laughs> your references do not hit. <laughs> You're making a theater reference that Jess does not know. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm literally like looking. They just released tickets for the the Hades Town. Like, yeah, they're here like for of the two tour. Weeks at the I Amundsen. know. Like right before I'm supposed to leave for my wedding, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess in the midst of all the hecticness, I have to go. You know, watch this tragic love story. I don't know, Marvin. Am I going to come out of this being like, wow, I'm reaffirmed in my choices in love? Or like, men are stupid and don't bother? Like, what am I going to take away from this? A little bit of both. It's more about, it's less about the love story and more about, <laughs> it's, it's less about, I mean, I don't know if Orpheus is a love story. It's more about this dumb soft boy who just can't wait. He, right? so d- he can't follow instructions. I'm like, <laughs> can you merely follow instructions? Exactly. Um Hey, I don't know. But at least his songs are dope. So that's that is you would be you would have had such a you would have had such a bad time as a woman, Marvin, because <laughs> that is the thinking that gets a lot of young women in trouble. It's like, ooh, ignore all the red flags because uh, he can he can play a little guitar. Uh, so be thank the universe. You were not um, you were not put into this world as a impressionable young lady. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky me. Um it's the end of June. God, it's the end of June. Damn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means this week we're doing our monthly news roundup. Do we want this? Um, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week. Uh, Jess, what is popping? So I watched in theaters The Blackening, which yeah. is a new horror comedy uh, directed by Tim Story and written in direct co-written by Tracy Oliver who did Girls Trip. Uh, I think she's the highest earning like African-American screenwriter ever uh, or at least female screenwriter as and Dwayne Perkins who is a comedian and wrote for um, for Brooklyn Nine-Nine which is you know propaganda side one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. uh, and very complicated legacy but you know good good writing and Dwayne Perkins also stars in it. It is a Juneteenth movie and it it follows a group of uh, black friends who re- do a mini reunion in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> um, and when a murderer starts hunting them down, 
and there is an element of like a game night as well um it stars a really great cast of like i would say on the cusp people that you would definitely be like oh i know that person including jermaine fowler who i'm glad is you know i love jermaine fowler and superior donuts is like one of the worst shows i've ever seen but i'm so happy for him to like yes have a continuing career uh x mayo uh antoinette robertson um just mm-hmm. just really really fun cast um you know i think it is a better comedy than it is a better horror movie which is fine mm-hmm. with me i actually prefer that because i don't like mm-hmm. horror movies and this right. is not typically something i would watch um but the jokes it is again it's set in juneteenth um which i love i lo- let's make this a holiday movie thing you know you we have like vacation movies we have valentine's day movies i think we need more juneteenth movies it, it you know we have some special appearances from yvonne orgy and mm-hmm. from insecure and jay farrow formerly of snl and it's just like really it's a really fun ensemble comedy it really is aware of the horror movies and also you know that basically the concept of like you know these are the things number one that black people are always the first to die in horror movies and that's the tagline which i and i thought this would have been a better movie title uh we can't all die first (laughs) um and as well as just like a lot of like jokes around the black experience which i found very funny and very specific and i do you don't necessarily need to know a lot I think about black culture, even though, you know, as Americans, we all know black culture because we steal from them. Uh, But it it is really funny. Like one of the um, so this board game is this racist board game is taunting them and basically saying, if you don't play this game, you're going to get killed. And and the the questions this game is asking is all about like black uh, culture or black history. So one of the questions is like, can you sing the second verse of the black national anthem, lift oh, every voice and sing? Yes. And everyone's like, fuck, we all know the first right, uh, right. chorus or we all know the first verse. Like, I'm like, they're like, it's 14 verses. Like how, how are you supposed to remember <laughs> all of it? So, you know, very specific jokes. Um, and, and again, there is like a, there's a moment where this board, this board game prompts a lot of funny, uh, Again, scenario situations. I think the cast dynamics are really fun. I, I love a group ensemble comedy where you kind of understand what the different relationships are. And like horror movies really distill it. And and there's a sense of, I really love how this, I feel like in a lot of horror movies, the group of friends or the group that is under peril is never typically that close. And that's kind of one of the tension points in this movie uh, where, you know, like, oh, like this is my cousin she's tagging along she brought a friend so like there's like kind of obvious like sides or like teams forming but this is like very very uh staunchly like the opposite they're like we're all friends we're not gonna leave each other to like die or face this you know killer um and then you know they're very aware like we can't split up like that's what those like you sound really white right now like we are not (laughs) splitting up um so stuff like that and you know they're obviously is like we're not playing this like we're, we were gonna get out but obviously there's situations out there control um and and there's just one really really great line really great joke i'm not even gonna say it i just want you to watch it it has nothing to do with even like horror movies or being black um but it was just a so funny it happens in like the third act and i had a really good time it's a 90 minute movie nice. sorry i buried the lead yeah hello movie. You know, it's not perfect, but it's really fun. And I really hope we get a second one. I want a second blackening. 
Yeah. And maybe more like cameos, more fun cameos and more stars, you know, I think would be really fun. But I don't know what the trope would be. I feel like the first in this cabin in the woods, like what is another trope? you can explore like i feel like vacation like stuck in a resort mm-hmm. that was like i know what you did last summer too right mm-hmm. yeah or stuck like a southern gothic island. type of thing like stuck, yeah like um but it is really funny like you know the the lot of the things of like honestly i feel like it would make actually make sense for this group they're like we're never going to do this again like look <laughs> what happened um so i am interested to see i hope this movie does well enough that we get a second one but i would be interested in seeing how they get them all together because these characters seem too smart to get themselves in this situation again yeah i mean love a good genre savvy like satire send up um i love that they very smartly sidestep your common criticism of these movies was why don't they just simply leave yeah they they should be (laughs) all invited to a party in a mansion because that way they it's not their choice um, to be there. And so whoever invites them traps them there. And that's why they can't leave. Yeah. Or like, a, I know what you did last summer, like being stalked by. Yeah. Yeah. Someone. Usually yeah. the second one is like someone is bringing it up again and like extorting just, you or something. We, we just need to get to the Blackening X where they go to space. <laughs> yes. I'm, I would be down for 10 Blackenings. Like I, I love. I actually think comedy, uh, comedy horror is a really fun genre. I wish they made more of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hate how you have to sit through a bunch of horror trailers before they let you watch the movie. I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. All these movies from the James Wan Blumhouse universe, absolutely not. <laughs> Leave me alone. There's like another Conjuring coming out soon, right? Or Yeah, it's The Nun 2. And then in <laughs> while I was watching the trailer for The Nun 2, I was reading the synopsis of none one i'm like absolutely not fuck this noise no 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 we don't fuck with demons again my i i live with a husband who is very raised with a lot of catholic guilt and a lot of rational sense first sign of anything freaky he's like nope let's not investigate i'm not curious at all why invite this like so i feel like that has creeped into me there's a lot of situations like i'm not gonna examine it and i we can I can pinpoint the exact points in movies where he would just walk out of the situation. Like just merely like do not entertain this at all. Like what's behind the door? I'll never know. And I will live a full life happy with never knowing. Yeah. It's like poltergeist. Why not just simply not live Leave. there? <laughs> yes. Yes. Why don't you simply, when the dog is freaking out and does not want to enter the weird murder house you bought, merely leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, speaking of, I guess, stressful situations, um, Han and I are sharing what's popping because this is Mm -hmm. definitely what's been popping in in discourse this last week. Um, We watched The Bear Season 2. Jess, have you watched The Bear yet? No, and you know what? I don't know. It seems very stressful. You know what? (laughs) It's actually a lot more chill Mm -hmm. than the first season. Until a certain point. Yes. (laughs) Until a certain point. Because um so seasons so as we know, The Bear is the FX Hulu series about um restaurant culture, right? Mm -hmm. And at uh, at the end of season one, they closed the beef, the Chicago Italian beef restaurant, to open the bear, which is a new high class dining establishment. So um that tension of like working in a short order cook kitchen situation. 
is replaced by we got to open this restaurant in three months. So that the tension of opening some a new business is less about getting things done right now, as opposed to waiting for the permits and and getting inspections and things like that. So the tension is less. It's less. Um, it's just as stressful, but less hectic. Again, up to the point where the restaurant opens again. Um, but I do love drama about operations, but. Um, <laughs> You know I have a vendetta against the Chicago beef sandwich. Oh, yeah. yeah. We talked about this last week. When I fucking hate it. It's disgusting. It shouldn't <laughs> exist. I think it's fine. Um, but I'm curious, Han, what did you think about the second season? Because the first like five episodes, it's a completely different show, right? Yeah. It's, it gave me... Um, th- okay, first of all, they upped the budget on this thing. <laughs> like this, this sucker is gorgeous. Soundtrack is killer. They hired like guest directors, so you have Rami Yusuf doing um and and that also they're on location in like Denmark and stuff like that for various episodes. So it is front and back, just a wonderfully produced season. On top of that, the storytelling gives it a lot more emphasis to the individual characters and that lets you get more invested in the running of this new restaurant so um in some ways it is heightened um this season but not necessarily in a stressful way but more because you're invested and it's really cool because um i don't know i just ended up like really loving so many of the characters even more than in the first season Jess, you'll be great. surprised. At the end of the second season, the character you'll love the most is Sugar's mm-hmm. boring husband, Pete. Like He becomes like oh. the best character in the show. <laughs> uh, he's one of them. I mean, there, there's a lot of white guys who you're like, I don't know about him. but that, And you're like, you're all right. So, um, yeah. So it and also because of focusing on each character, um, you kind of get a different vibe from them. Um, so there's a lot of really great storytelling, um, some silences, some just, you know, you have something that I really appreciated was there's a lot of very good conversations in this series that talk a lot about purpose. Like, why are they doing this? What's driving them? What, what, um, and, and you get a lot of backstory and you, it doesn't sound, it sounds kind of dry, but it actually ends up being very emotional, yeah, um, and beautiful. I was just like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" Pe-? Like, I'm so mad at the show because it was so good this season. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the theme. Like, the the big theme about this is like restaurants are a shitty business. It doesn't; they don't make much money. It's hard to run a successful restaurant. It's hard to keep a restaurant going. Only someone totally crazy would like find this fun. But mm-hmm. at the same time, this is like the purpose of a lot of these characters trying to like find like why they do this. Like, why mm-hmm. is it? Why do they want to do this? There's this really great conversation in the first episode where they ask, do you like this? Do you love this? Are you having fun? Mm-hmm. And and that's a really essential part of the restaurant business, too, because I think a lot of people have that misconception. A while back, um, I remember co-worker of mine was like hey if you won the lottery what do you, what would you do open a restaurant and i was like hells no oh my god um because they knew that i really love food right and i love foodie culture and stuff like that and i was just like no maybe i would go to a restaurant that's already doing well and see if i can be an investor or if i could like become friends with someone and get my name on a menu item but i will not start a restaurant because that <laughs> is hell um and also you want your heart broken sure try to open a restaurant so yeah. um 
And I got to say. So you have to be passionate about it. Yeah. And I got to say, as a professional Asian American, the question of do you like this? Do you love this? Is this fun? Hit me real hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, also, like when we talk about the context of like restaurant culture and like Asian Americans, like restaurants are not like a high like restaurants are survival. Like nobody, like a lot of our friends, you know, who are restaurant kids, or like you know, kind of cultural figures we know who write about this. They're like, oh yeah, like we we just we had to work there because that's what the only thing like this country would let our family do. And then you know, it it, it is a little bit of a privilege to be like. This is a high art, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then the la- la- I will also bring up, but not, not spoil anything. Part of the increased budget means lots of guest stars. Like out the wazoo, really high level, very expensive guest stars. Um, and it's, it's, but the thing is, they're well utilized. Um, sometimes a guest star is just like, oh, fun cameo, but they all get their moments. They are useful. Um, they add to it. And uh, yeah, if you haven't been spoiled on it, I'm not going to spoil yeah. you. But, um, and the fact that they pack so them all in one episode. So a lot has been well, said I, about I do feel like that's also like a pro tip if you are creating a show. Like, don't, like, you can mention families, don't bring them on screen till like it's a hit and then you get your pick <laughs> of the litter for season yeah. two. Yeah. yeah, there okay. are a few others sprinkled throughout the season, and and every single time I'm like, oh, they got you, they afforded <laughs> you, um, and each time it's still good. Um, yeah, so. a lot has been said about episode six of this season as like, it's the one episode that's like an hour long. So um, mm-hmm. brace yourself for that, Jess. But it it is an hour of like pure just people acting their butts off, and people directing I, their butts off and yeah. editing their butts off. Yeah, I have to say that I had to take a break in the middle because I was getting stressed out. Oh, I had to stop but, watching. I had to stop my binge yeah. after that episode because like I need to, I need to decompress yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So, um, um, but it's good because I knew that there was a reason for it, and I knew it would pay off in the end. So. Yeah. Followed up by episode seven, which is another just just banger. That like just your Taylor Swift loving heart will love this episode. Yeah. Is Taylor was, Swift in it? Music. Um, okay great but a very good a very good musical moment but um it's probably one of my favorite episodes besides the one that focused on sydney yeah Um, yeah um yeah. Well, actually, I like the Denmark episode too. Ah, so many this, good ones. It's, it's a really good episode. And I know a lot of people like there is a romance subplot that people apparently eh, hate, but I, I, don't care about I really liked it because of what it did fine. with the theme, like what it right, meant right. for the characters. Um, and <laughs> and the show also really delivers in being a very Chicago show and being mm-hmm. a very good food very show. Very Chicago. Specifically, they went to, there's a scene in, I think, the third episode. Where mm-hmm. one of the characters goes to Kasama, which is the Filipino yes. breakfast, like diner slash tasting mm-hmm. menu restaurant. And I still dream about that breakfast sandwich from when I went last year. Um, no other breakfast sandwich has come close this, to this place's breakfast sandwich. This is what I wish I had seen back when I actually had a work trip to Chicago. I used to work for a Tribune company um, back in the day. A trunk company? A trunk company. It was pre-trunk, but it still was under Sam, um, that idiot. And uh, so for some reason, our, I don't know, managing some high muckamuck decided to bring us to Chicago for a work trip. And I remember I didn't get a choice of where to go because I didn't really have 
a lot of opinions about Chicago. It was weirdly enough the time when Top Chef Chicago was on. So we oh, watched wow. the finale together. Yeah. That's um, like 2000, but, like seven, oh, yeah. 2008. Like it's way back in the day. And <laughs> then, um, and they even got us tickets to go to a Cubs game. And I remember my boss and I decided not to go. Cause I was like, I don't want to sit in a baseball game. <laughs> uh, and everyone's like, you get to go to the, you know, like to the, uh, the stadium. They're like, just, just, just enjoy it. And I was like, I can't, I'd rather just eat something else. So I went somewhere else. I wish I had this episode to refer to because I would have definitely gone on this sort of like tour of great food. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a it's probably a, one of the best sort of like love letters to Chicago, I think, from a culinary <laughs> point of view. I think. Yeah. So did you see the um, the Rick Bayless take on the bear season two yet? <laughs> No, what did he say? <laughs> so Eater published an interview with Rick Bayless of um, White Guy Makes Mexican Food and Becomes Famous for It fame, mm-hmm. um, which I just learned that Rick Bayless is the younger brother of Skip Bayless, the uh, white man on ESPN who gives very bad takes all the time. Mm-hmm. And it makes so sense. Oh, it's a what a it runs weird... In the family. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, so he is not happy with the bear because it gives, it glorifies the... Um, ugly side of restaurants and he's afraid that it will discourage people from working at restaurants he, he, i he's was fine in that first half and then the the takeaway was not it <laughs> he's just an idiot. like his but point yeah. was there's a lot of good and there's there's a lot of good things about working in restaurants why can't the show focus on that we, there, there's all I, I feel like i just need to be like there's there's people there's children dying rick bayless like yeah. it's it's fine yeah. calm down well, and, it's also like when the whole Titan submarine thing went on and someone went and talked to James Cameron. I was like, we don't need to talk to James Cameron because whatever he says is going to be idiotic. And sure, I, I, I did find that really funny, though, like in the, <laughs> well, in laughed, the farce yes. of the world, like, oh, who must we turn to to comment on the situation? Obviously, James he, Cameron. He cannot not talk about the Titanic ever. So I get it. <laughs> but at the same time. To be take fair, his J- take to wasn't f- too bad because he was saying, yeah, this guy disregarded a bunch of stuff. That was yeah. irresponsible. As a responsible billionaire who goes on submarines, like I would <laughs> never know, have gone in that James submarine. Cameron has come full circle. He's so ridiculous. It's like kind of charming now. <laughs> yeah. um, so you go, James Cameron. And mm-hmm. I mean, as someone who is fascinated by kitchen culture, who has worked in cafeteria as a short order mm-hmm. cook, Watching the bear, I think if I was watching the bear at a certain age, I would be like, hell yeah, I want to be a part of that. It's like reading Kitchen Confidential for the first time saying, yeah, I want to be a part of that, right? Oh, no. I read Kitchen (laughs) Confidential and I was like, this confirms that my anti-service stance on jobs (laughs) as far as (laughs) what's appropriate for me, not that people shouldn't do it. Um, Because after I, you know, when you're younger, you kind of have to do either the retail job or whatever that I worked as a a concessionaire at a movie theater. I also did some retail and both of those confirmed to me. I never want to do that again. So I I never want to wait tables (laughs) or anything. I think this is my like my producer. That's the side of me that was triggered by that. Is it fun? Do you like it question? Which is like, I don't know if I like it. But I do love it. I love being <laughs> in these high pressure situations and like pulling shit off. Yeah, I, that's a trauma response, Marvin. <laughs> I learned that in therapy. I think I think I wouldn't mind, let's say, helping for one day on someone who like an uh, an events company, right? But I wouldn't want it to be my life. Mm. I wouldn't, you know, I do like 
problem solving and stuff like that. I when I did PR, I did a lot of events, and you know, there's some fun in that and from carrying it off. But I don't know if I ever want to be the point person. And definitely a restaurant is way too much. <laughs> like, uh, so many things can go wrong. And I also just hate customers. So. Mm, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> I'm so bad about them. Yeah. So, yeah. The Bear Season 2. I think it's great pop. Um, Jess, I would not recommend binging it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe the first um, five and then take a and break. take a break. Watch six, take a break, and then watch the rest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's still great no matter what. Yeah. All right. Then with that, that'll do it for what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about the latest Asian American entertainment news in our monthly news segment. Do we want this? Stick around. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. As you mentioned, it is the end of June, which means it's time once again for Do We Want This? Uh, where we go around and talk about the latest Asian American entertainment news and ask ourselves if we want this. Um, so let's get into it. Um, let's start with Jess. What's our first story? So for part one of our trailer roundup is uh, the trailer for Drive Away Dolls came out today or I guess this week. And this is a new film by Ethan Cohen of the Cohen brothers, but he is not working with the other brother this time. Um, this time he's working with his longtime editor slash life partner, Trisha Cook. And it is a comedy road movie starring two young women played by Margaret Qualey and Geraldine Viswanathan, who I love both of them. Yes. Um, you know, this looks like a really stat cast as well. Beanie Fieldstein, Coleman Domingo, who is always good. Pedro Pascal, Bill Camp, which I don't know what happened to him after True Blood, but glad to see him. Matt Damon. Um, so all those sound great to me. And just from the trailer, it looks, you know, very Cohen-esque in that like dry humor 
They get into shenanigans and they all, I'm not quite sure why, but they want to get to Tallahassee, Florida, which in true Cohen fashion is like the worst final destination I can think of. Like, <laughs> why? Um, but, you know, I'm sure that's part of the, po- that's kind of, you know, that vibe. Like, what happens in Fargo? What happens in, uh? Um, and, you know, it's they, they get involved with some criminal activity as as you are to do in a comedy road film and shenanigans ensue. So do we want this? Yeah. Always That's- love a good Cohen movie. Um, love a good like film about small time, like people like working class people with like big dreams and big aspirations and ambitions. I just movie- really like. This seems to be in the continued trend of like we're taking like tried and true formulas, but like we are putting young women or or female identifying characters at the center of it, um, which is something I still think is kind of rare. And I love a good, you know, friendship movie. Yeah. Uh, especially when the friends <clears throat> are like polar opposites. So of course, these friends are polar opposites. One is a free spirit and one is very, you know. Uh, demure and like straight laced um geraldine plays straight laced one yeah. and then you know that it's just right for fun it's also like super gay right it's super gay that you know they're fresh one of them is fresh off of a breakup from their girlfriend and does not believe in love anymore so i'm <laughs> sure that is also part of the plot so you know anytime we can make things more gay let's do it it's still june pride up. <laughs> yeah gay it up make it gayer and geraldine Vatonathan um, yeah. is probably like like, I love her. I want to see her in more things because she is so she is super funny. Like she's, she's one of the very funny. Yeah. And I'm not familiar too much with Margaret Qualey's uh, uh, comedic work, uh, but you know she is she is engaged to Jack Antonoff, so you know that makes her relevant in my world. She <laughs> um, she she's <laughs> been in so many great things. Um, she's also the daughter of uh, Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell, but um, oh. I mean I know. Margaret Qualley from there was a uh, a commercial that I think a lot of people know, but uh, she was also in um, the Leftovers um, and a bunch of other things more recently. But yeah, I I think she's actually a really good actress. So I think good acting goes with comedy. I assume she's gonna yes. be good. So. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And and you know I hope we get another iconic Matt Damon can- cameo. I hope Matt Damon like they have to go save Matt Damon and yeah. we can add that to the rolling list of movies where we have to save Matt Damon. Yeah, he doesn't need to be the lead anymore. He just needs to be a cameo for stuff. And I appreciate him doing that. Yeah. So next up on our trailer roundup, um Han, what do you have to share? So we got the uh Sony Pictures Classics release uh or at least the trailer for Shortcomings, which is a comedy drama uh, directed and produced by Randall Park. It is an adaptation of Adrian Tomine's uh, comic of the same name. Um, and it stars Justin H. Min, Sherry Cola, Ali Mackey, a whole bunch of other people, uh, <laughs> including Sonoya Mizuno. Um, basically about this sort of cynical movie theater owner who named Ben, um, who kind of, you know, isn't really being into being Asian American, even though his girlfriend is. So there's a, a, a lot of conversations about like, just, I guess, I don't want to say not, like the bare like purpose. But um, anyway, so it's being released in August. And I know this was uh, had its premiere at Sundance. I have not seen it. So I want to ask, do we want this after seeing the trailer? <laughs> I must say 
Sure. It's a complicated. I am very, yes, I yeah. am very, uh, I'm always very skeptical about, um, I'm going to say it, Asian dudes writing yes. shit about how hard their life is. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times they get a lot of things like not wrong from their perspective. Okay. Like, yes, that is your truth. But like you missing the point of, you know, the patriarchy and white supremacy. Right. Like. Um, I will say, you know, there's a stack cast. I think everyone's very talented. I think Randall is really talented. But, if, you know, we're talking about a graphic novel that was written in like or, the 90s. 2004 to 2007 is when this ran. I mean, so, I mean yeah. that's still like in the like 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Is the discourse, you know, do they adapt it? I, I haven't read the graphic novel, to be fair. Um, I, I'm just, you know, this this topic always kind of gets me like, it's, a little, you know, skeptical. Yeah. Like the the red, the yellow light is on in my head. <laughs> the the detail I was reading about the graphic novel, and I don't know if this has been ported over to the movie, is that Ben has a wandering eye for a white woman. So is that in the movie? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Has I think that's in the that was in the synopsis in one of the deadline articles. I think is that's the yeah. reason why. And, like, and he- I'm sorry. <laughs> the most the most unbelievable thing is that if you are a graduate student in Berkeley, an Asian American graduate student, and I don't know if they um, contemporize the movie to like take place today. But even 20 years ago, if you are a grad student living in Berkeley, whether as a like the Sherry Cola character or the Ali Maki character, mm-hmm. you would not be fucking with a guy like Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Sherry Cola you is would the see best that. friend, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Like, no, so. no. Sherry Cola's character yeah. is like queer and like a grad student mm-hmm. in Berkeley. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, that was me. I'm not a grad student, but like, I, I you know, that is my friend group, essentially. So we were talking like a few years ago. And I'm like. No, like you don't, you don't fuck with a guy like that. You, you're everyone is like baseline in the Berkeley area, a little more quote unquote woke. <laughs> then I think the general population there knows how to talk about this stuff. Like you would not, you would not have the patience to deal with the dude undergoing his like Asian American identity awakening at that time. I understand if it was like an undergraduate, like I'm 18 shit. No, like in our 20s, you're like, you deal with that, go get therapy and like come back when. <laughs> Like, like no one, no one is, would, would, no one would date you if you were like that annoying at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially because she's supposed to be like the leader of like an Asian American film festival. Um, That's Ali Maki's character. Who's. Yes. Yeah. So it's a grad student and it basically the CanFest director and I am friends with the CanFest director. <laughs> and we would not suffer fools like that. Like, I'm sorry. We would just be like, if some dude, like we would not be friend, best friends or romantically interested in someone who like was like buying this much into white supremacy. I'm just going to say it like that concept <laughs> is just so like not believable to me. Yeah. I think the premise of the the story is definitely like there are some flags there. Um, I am interested in Randall's directing. I'm interested in the acting because like Sherry Cole has been like, this is her one of two of her like starring roles this year, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. and Joyride. And yeah, like everything about the the team or at least the everything about like, like I'm interested in a lot of things about this film. Except the premise, which I think yes. is kind of like if this film wasn't <laughs> yeah. like directed by Randall Park, starring Ali Maki, Justin Min, and Cherry Cola, I don't know if I would watch this film, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was funny because we were probably, hopefully, 
Aslan going to talk to Randall Park about this movie. And so, yeah, I'm really behind him directing. Um, he, I think he's really smart. You know, uh, I love the cast. Uh, when I read the premise, I was kind of like, I don't know. Could I you hope- just like picked a more interesting concept for yeah. like 2023? Like this this conversation I feel is just so it needs dated. to have been super updated and and maybe even challenged a little bit in the script, but the script is also updated like adapted by the actual original author. So I was just like, hmm. Um yeah, I don't know if that's what I needed, but <laughs> so yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Like, <laughs> also, JAs, man. JAs have a very different relationship. Like, like third, fourth generation JAs have think of a very different relationship than, like, you know, more recent, like, immigrant communities. So, like, mm. I, I don't know if, like, it's a one-to-one. Like, I think it's, it's its own valid thing. But, yeah, like, I yeah. think that's also a very specific thing. Like, you just can't say Asians, you know? It's just like, oh, mm. but, like, are you... If you're a fourth-generation Japanese-American, that's a very different experience with your identity than, like, you know, children, like, like someone who, like, was born and raised and then immigrated over from, like, a refugee camp, you know? Yeah, like, it seems like the type of film that will mean different things to different people and will mean more or less depending on, I guess, your own awareness of Asian-American identity issues and history i mean the thing is i'll probably watch it i feel like i'm obligated oh to yeah watch i mean it. i will definitely watch it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all right um our last trailer for our roundup this month is um the trailer the first teaser for the three body problem um just dropped this is the netflix adaptation not the chinese um c-drama adaptation um this one is going to be produced by net this one is produced by netflix and show run by <laughs> benioff and weiss of um game of thrones fame um they are credited as the show creators according to the trailer um and for people who aren't familiar three body problem is a story about first contact with a technologically superior alien race um, and is one of the, I guess, currently one of the most famous uh, pieces of Chinese science fiction um, right now. Um, I read the first book. I haven't read the second or third book, but I've read synopses of them. Um, and the trailer hits on a lot of like themes that the, the book um, covers, specifically like the Cultural Revolution, um, the introduction of like an alien species and playing over the scenes is a Carl Sagan clip talking about fearing the dark but also searching for life and Carl Sagan in case you don't know is like one of those like astronomy dudes who like was in a lot of educational films in like the 70s and has like just some really great like kind of very like his his pontifications on space and our place in it has a lot of gravitas. I feel like it's a good choice to use Carl Sagan in this trailer. Mm. Um, but yeah, based on what we saw, do we want this? I want to ask you, Marvin, do you yes. want this? I know you a little, you a little three body fanboy, <laughs> um, and you love shit like this, but <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a fanboy. Three body problem was a very hard book to get through. It's very hard sci-fi. I, I, I tried to read the Wikipedia cause I watched that trailer. I had no fucking clue what was happening. So I tried to like read generally what the Wiki, you know, the Wikipedia about the books. And I'm like, I still don't fucking know what is going on. So, um, so yeah, I am. <clears throat> I'm approaching this probably the same way um, Han is approaching the sympathizer, which is I want <laughs> this. I'm curious to see if they they're able to pull it off because 
science fiction is a genre that is actually not about the future. It's about today, right? It's about the current yes. current issues and what happens if you extrapolate them or what happens if you turn them into metaphor, right? And the three-body problem is a very, like, it's Chinese science fiction, which is like science fiction, like speculative fiction told from a Chinese, like specifically mainland Chinese perspective. And the, the analysis I've read is it's kind of more, it's a metaphor for China confronting a technologically superior West and those tensions, right? That's kind of where it's born from. But it's also born from like the anxieties of the cultural revolution and what that has done to a generation of adults right now who are in decision-making positions. I honestly, this might be cynical, I honestly think we're going to lose a lot of that nuance because this is an American <laughs> TV show uh, by two dudes who are, I will say, good at adapting existing material, but bad at a lot of other things <laughs> like writing women mm-hmm. and who I do not think has a, ha- I don't know their track record at all about like multicultural stuff. Um, there is a third showrunner, Alexander Wu, who did The Terror, and he is Chinese-Canadian-American. Um, and so that's cool, but also, like, not Chinese-Chinese. So, And I think this is just so specifically, like, Chinese. Yeah. Um, but it's also Plan B, which is, you know, you know, terrible allegations of side about Brad Pitt. It's, you know, founder, <laughs> main producer or like star producer, like has a pretty good track record with producing some like, um, you know, culturally specific content. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think like sci-fi is just so hard on baseline to adapt. Right. It's, Which, I think it's harder than fantasy. Yeah. And it's interesting because <laughs> the main character of three body problem or one of the central characters is a woman who basically, because her father was, like essentially killed during a struggle session during the Cultural Revolution, kind of loses her faith in humanity. And as a result of her making first contact, essentially dooms humanity to becoming like a target of alien species. Like that's kind of like yes, the and, central. And it is very cool that Rosalind Chow is cast in as this character. I think, you know, there is a, <clears throat> like, like as much as like, you know, I have my hesitations, like anytime like a generation of talented like actors gets to like really flex and stretch its wings and roles that like their white counterparts may have gotten more opportunity to play. I'm like, I'm all for it. I think <laughs> Rosalind, you know, like all, all the, you know, I call the Joy Luck Club generation, like yeah, they have not been utilized to their full potential in this racist industry. So I, I hope, you know, she gets to kind of flex and yeah. And, we got Benedict Wong <clears throat> and um, who, you know, l- love him as a space guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, like him in The Martian was really fun. Yeah. Uh, I, and, yeah. I think in this, I think he plays the like grizzled detective character, which is also pretty cool. Um, if I'm remembering me correctly. The silver lining here is at the very least, this book series is finished. And so we don't have to yes. worry about Benioff and Weiss making shit up. Yes. Which is why I say they're good at adapting existing material. Because, like, yeah, like Game of Thrones slapped for many seasons until the book ran out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they then they got too eager to wrap it up. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, I am cautiously optimistic because I do love a good sci-fi. I love to see, I, I want to see if they can carry over, like, the themes 
and adapt it. Um, it does look like a Netflix sci-fi show in terms of like the, the graphics. So there's that. But, you know. It's also new IP, or at least fresh IP. It's not a remade, rewarmed thing yeah. that we've seen 20 billion times here. So. <laughs> All right. Jess, what's our next story? All right. Um, in more Asian American film news, <clears throat> couple Tow Walker, Olivia Liang of Kung Fu, Karen Sony, Tom Everett Scott joined the inspirational indie paper Flowers. Based on a viral HuffPost article about a Shaolin Shah, a 22-year-old who's battled with cancer, gained viral attention in 2015. Do we want this? Here's my hot take, guys. Are you ready to podcast? Sure. No more cancer movies. Yeah. <laughs> we as a I society should be yeah. better than that. <laughs> like... It's similar to my take on shortcomings. I want this for Karen Sony and Olivia Liang, especially, you know, since Kung Fu is, is no more. But I don't know if, I mean, if, I guess, do we know who's getting paid on these rights? Okay, so that's the thing. I, wanna, I, want, I want everyone in this movie, a part of this movie, to get credit and get paid and, and, and you know, you know get, get a credit. So the director, Mahish Pylor, look, sounds like a brown brother. Um, you know, we have Olivia Liang, who's going to play Shaw's high school sweetheart. Karen Sony's playing his friend. Um, we're, we have people like Ferran Tahir from Iron Man. Um, Mira Simhan, uh, who is an actor writer and, 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 uh, you know, a, a friend of my old job, lovely person, Wesley, Jenny, like, this sounds great. And the producer is one of Shaw's relatives, which is also kind of weird. I'm like, are his parents involved? Is the media family involved? That's always kind of shady. Um, but like, yeah, do we need a story about a, I'm, I'm quoting from the article, recent USC graduate and Peace Corps volunteer, Shaw, as he receives a terminal cancer diagnosis, embarking on a mission to live his remaining life to the fullest. I mean. Are, are people not living? Like, I, I feel like people know that death is imminent, you know, and it's obviously tragic that, you know, he had cancer and passed away so young. But like. At the Damn, same time, human life is death is imminent. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, like an inspirational cancer story is almost a guaranteed, like at least home run in terms of like it'll get people emotionally invested. Um, but it's I get the same vibes. I, I guess it's not it's not the same, but like I get the same vibes as when like there's a new true crime adaptation or project, right? It's like Yeah. I'm always so torn about this because I think there's a reason why these keep getting made and it's because people do actually check them out. So I think maybe I don't have the stomach for another one of these, but there's a reason why I think fuck cancer is constantly, you know, like all over my feeds. It's because it does hit a lot of people. Um, So it's probably, it's like super prevalent to the point where I think maybe some people do find some solace in these um, stories. I know, like, there was the Top Chef favorite who, um, Fatima Ali, mm-hmm. who wrote, you know, Saver. And that, you know, great book. But also, I was like, do I want to read this? <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So, I mean, and I, I feel like there's a difference between, like, me, you know, you as the person actually writing down, like, you know, mm-hmm. when breath becomes air yeah, and stuff like that. that. You know, that is someone who is dying choosing to spend their time writing down their story and it's not you know like i don't know how to like you know 
vocalizes, but like the the resource or the expectations is a little different. Like it, it could not be published, but the fact that this exists in the world from like the hands of the actual person or the heart, mind, soul of the actual person is one thing. But to like then take these resources to tell another like trauma dumpy story or like I don't know, to me it feels a little cheap, even if it's there is commercializing like, Yeah. I can a trauma, trauma and right? disability yeah. and uh, illness. Adaptation yeah. of something that's inspirational is a very shaky thing. And because I think it almost always ends up being kind of pandering. Um, and maybe not doesn't feel authentic. So yeah, I kind of agree there. I think from the source itself, um, there was a reason why that like essay or article became went viral. Um, and some of these other yeah things do well, but yeah, I think that and is like, kind of where my ickiness is. These viral, the viral stories always get to me. Like when you hear about like you know young cancer folks who are like you know the community came together to like throw them a wedding or like make something come true or help them out. Like I, I, it, it makes me feel positive about the world and the universe that, you know, people, there are good people who want to help people when, when certain folks are in like a bad time. But like, again, I think that line for me is like, Oh, now we're going to take that and turn it into. Yeah. Something commercial. Mm. Um, And, and again, like for an indie, like, like and and from a very cynically from a very like just story point of view like is does this movie not exist already in multiple forms over many different generations like but, i'm pretty but, sure we have a version of this but this one has already Asians. so did the harry shum jr one <laughs> you know like so yeah yeah huh. hot take no more cancer movies please i mean they're going to keep making them whether you like it or not Cool. Guaranteed tears. <laughs> guaranteed engagements. Guaranteed. I mean, I, at the very yeah. <laughs> but see, right. this is why we're friends because we're all like, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I, you know what? There's so many romances out there where you know the person is gonna die, and I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I was like, that's not something. And I the want and to. the wildest one is the one where Robert Pattinson all of a sudden becomes a victim of 9/11, and nothing in the movie points to that until wow. the last scene wow 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 did I not watch that. that one i didn't watch that and one but i did watch that scene <laughs> don't you don't need to what 9 11 also took someone from a tv show <laughs> sorry i was just like uh spoiler alert a million little things um yeah i remember when i well, found that out that was like crazy. it's it's also just weird because like you know like the the defining tragedy i think of our like the defining global tragedy like world shifting event of our like consciousness is is you know i meet kids who like gen z loves to joke about it and i'm like you know what that's fair you know we joke about shit in the past because all comedy is just tragedy plus time but i'm like whoa i was like sometimes it does catch me off guard and then i feel really old yeah, yeah. <sighs> all right han what's our next story all right so uh <laughs> because tadum uh was the the global fan event um recently happened we got more information about a lot of netflix series but i think the one that they was their big sort of centerpiece was information about squid game season two um which means that we actually didn't get any real information as far as let's say plot because we kind of don't need plot we just know that it's continuation there's gonna be another death game so great um 
the information that we did get was uh, number one, um, a lot of the new cast members. So uh, beloved cast members from from shows. And what was interesting was that the main teaser showed like four cast members and they were all men and then there was an outcry so just literally today while we were preparing for this podcast I got a press release where they're like we got more cast members and they're women so um, <laughs> right because the original criticism is they didn't announce any women in that initial cast announcement which was weird because the female characters were like one of the strongest parts of that original season yeah right? yeah it was interesting um but i'm not gonna name all the names but we got people from the glory um and uh which i watched recently and it's one of the main villains from the glory i adore him he's great it's uh park sung hoon um there's a k-pop idol <laughs> um uh yim si wan um and a bunch of other people but you know there's also people from Sweet Home that um and that's a Netflix series also about well monsters some people might call them zombies uh so there's way too many names for me to name um but I think the other thing that kind of came out of this was people found out about uh well okay so returning cast we already knew but you know long story short Gong Yu is coming back great <laughs> including the lead and some other people but I think the um one of the stories that came out that kind of surprised people was that the creator, uh, Huang Dong Hyuk, um, when he first made this, he did not, he signed away his rights. So for residuals, royalty payments and all the other stuff. And he said, you know, in an interview, it's basically like Squid Game had earned him enough to put food on the table. So this is a really kind of interesting question here is, um, this was his decision. He was not snookered into this, you know. Um, so do we want this? And I have thoughts about that, too, um, because Netflix has, of course, been doubling down, tripling down on his uh, K content. And uh, Ted Sarandos recently was just like raving about how much worldwide, like a huge percentage of people were watching K content. And I'm among them. So do we want this when it comes to him? <laughs> right. So. If you're going to ask, do we want this Squid Game season two? I would say yes because I do want to see where the story goes. I am. I want more Gong Yu slapping bitches. <laughs> like yes, a hundred percent. I'd love to see Gong Yu more. I do hope um, that they take a different. I hope it's not like literally another death game, but it's kind of like more of like let's dive into this seedy world of rich people and the games they play and the way they entertain themselves. Um, but in terms of like, do we want like? this in terms of the creator essentially being like exploited out of his rights no i mean i feel like there's... no yeah i mean no one knew he didn't know netflix didn't know squid games was gonna be the hit it was gonna be so um i am very uh it's you know it's so ironic too given that netflix is kind of positioned as the big baddie in this labor strike, the WGA labor strike, and of, and and of course they would be like, yeah, we love Squid Games. Let's make Squid Games, and um, you know, we're gonna be, we are gonna be the Squid Game behind <laughs> the scenes in real life. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get why he yeah. like he's been trying to make this show. I think for ten years. So someone giving him the money to go and make this would be like 
in his like in the mind of like uh, artists, it's like as long as it's out in the world, I will you know I will yeah. be happy. Because the the deal is when they talk about local distributors turned him down, that means Korea didn't want to make this right South Korea because probably because of the commentary criticizing capitalism, um, yes. especially in South Korea and and the immense amount of like the wealth gap poverty um in there and how so many citizens like you know to an extreme would rather yeah. play a you know a death game in order to hopefully recoup some of their losses which is wild because that's the direction that korean cinema is going towards is like mm-hmm. calling this out but i guess it's much easier to get funding for a movie than a tv series yeah right? it's a one-off and i and, you know and- he's made a lot of social commentary movies also um criticizing uh like the way disability um children are treated in schools and things like that so this is just like not unheard of for him and it's it's sort of a sad irony where he's not going to do the capitalist thing himself to like get all his rights but that means it reverts to netflix to be able to capitalize on uh, all of that and so I we're mean, getting the stupid reality show for, squid game oh for and for me it does sour the experience of yeah. i think this will sour the experience of watching season two because you know it's it's like when you found out that like you know andor was gonna break the line was gonna cross the line and still still producing they ended up not doing it but like you can have a show that's like to have a show that is literally about you know classism yeah. labor capitalism the evils of capitalism and then knowing all the like secret you- sauce behind it it's it, just like, ooh. But in a way, I still definitely support him because I, I have faith that hopefully season two makes sense because he hadn't planned on having a second season. So I think he's going to have to do something devastating to it. And like, sure, maybe like definitely he should have the royalties and all this other stuff. But I'm kind of glad he's not going to have a hand in um let's say the reality show or any of the other stuff um yeah I, that he could walk I also away feel like if he had retained those rights he would have said no to those right maybe or he might have been locked into doing something that so it's kind of it's very strange about netflix it's kind of like in some ways if you get a ride with netflix they take you all the way so that's why like um uh you see the same faces on Netflix over and over and over again because, like, they want to stay with your, you know, uh, with your success. So if you get it made, you get it made. But um, what I'm hoping is because of the strength of this, then he just gets hired to do other stuff elsewhere. So that's really kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah. I mean, it's also interesting because in terms of like this, is, you know, as we know, there's a big writer strike going on right now in mm-hmm. America. And so you see a lot of, like... Studio is now pivoting towards like non-writer based shows, right? Oh. And mm. or specifically non-American writer-based shows, which is I yes. think part of the reason why Netflix is going so hard into Korea, like Korean yes. television. Yes. Um, but <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. A, uh, foreign content means that you don't have to deal with WGA, right? Yeah. Um but it, it seems like there are right now also encountering a backlash on their exploitation of like Korean writers and producers now yes. too. Well, it it is not like, I think we all kind of know that the Korean entertainment in- industry, because it's so wildly popular, but also cranking out these dramas, but also K- K-pop idols that there's going to be some, bad stuff going on not everywhere but uh, behind the scenes for a lot of places in order to reach this level of output so i mean 
we've talked about sort of like the mental health situation going on with a lot of these younger pop idols in Korea. There's high suicide rate in Korea. Um, and of course, there's going to be some labor issues when it comes to producing this content. So, um, yeah, there's a focus on that. Not surprising, honestly. So um, hopefully, maybe the silver lining is because there is some attention paid to it. Maybe they can start fixing it. Um, every chance I get when we write about like K-pop or something like that on Salon, I talk, we talk about the mental health stuff um, because there's, it's a really, you know, we have these issues of course in America, but I think because K-content is almost like fetishized over here, I think there's a bigger responsibility to be like, here's what you're getting, you know, from, from that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's made my consumption of this content kind of, I don't want to say dulled, but, you know, I try to be at least practical about the way I'm I'm consuming it and thinking about it, not just, you know, mindlessly watching it. All right. Well, we'll probably have more Squid Game news as we get closer <laughs> to whenever the second, second season is coming out. Um, I guess to wrap up this edition of Do We Want This, let's let's do something a little bit more um, optimistic, I guess, uh, which is um, Kihiri Kwan, who had a great 2022 and a pretty solid 2023 so far with uh, American-born Chinese, um, is now a member of the Academy. This just broke today. Um, do we want this? Yes. Yes, please. He deserves it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, because of the whole Oscar So White, they had been, over the years, adding more people of color and of various uh, groups. <laughs> um, it hasn't fixed the problem completely. Um, because, of course, depending on what is put before them, sometimes they don't get choices. But this all helps, you know. Yeah. And he's, he's so loud about things that I'm just like, yes, I, I hope he campaigns hard for things. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but he will somehow make it happen. He'll I mean, take a I would, selfie with someone. <laughs> I mean, I would hope he would become a member if he wasn't already because he literally won an Oscar last year. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you get don't you get like automatically invited <laughs> yeah. if you win? I don't know how the academy works. That I don't either. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> um, yeah. And related to that, yeah. Um, other everything ever all at once cast news. Michelle Yeoh is getting a Hollywood star, which I mean, we said this before. It's not exactly like a merit thing, right? No, it's a PR thing. We know how the sausage gets made, it. but you know what? Good for her. Um, you know, I want to know where it's going to be. Her. Did we talk about this? This no, Ming Nas is right in front of right. the Chinese theater, which is great. Which I is feel great. Like just, we should just claim that entire block, just like, yeah. like all no, the Asian, no one else. only Asians, yeah. only, only Asians. Asians. <laughs> Asian zone. <laughs> Are we segregating ourselves? No, it's just thematic. And uh, and and prime, <laughs> prime location. It is a prime spot. Yes. It is a prime spot. I mean, as prime as you can get on Hollywood mm-hmm. and Highland, which is disgusting. Um. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys have this experience, but every time I have like friends from out of town who are like not from California come and they're like, we want to go see Hollywood. I'm like, please don't. I'm like, there's nothing there for you, but like disappointment, sadness, and, uh, you know, a vaguely aggressive elbow trying to take pictures with you or Spider-Man um, or whoever. You yeah. Know? I was like, don't, don't. It smells like urine and feces and there's nothing good there. There's nothing local there. Like, you know, that complex. But now and the parking there's is, like, 30 bucks. star. Huh? No, there's okay. Do well, we know where James Hong Star is? I don't know, but there is the El Capitan there, and that's fun. So, 
<laughs> like if you're gonna do like a Disney film, like sing along film, maybe. But um, you know, do you want to see Frozen for the seventh time? No, I mean, children? well, they do show current films there, and then you get the organist playing Rising Out. That's Peace. true. We love an organ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Did I tell you guys fun story? I tried to request an organ to play a bunch of like real like like we had an organist before Joyride and I was like, "Oh, can you play these songs like WAP and oh. I send them just very like aggressively vulgar songs uh-huh. and they're like, "No, we cannot physically make the organ notes play that Oh my gosh, to do funny. the song." I was like, Thank you for trying. Like, not mm-hmm. nothing about like the content. Just like we physically cannot sure. play this on the that organ. Makes sense. I was like, good to know. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, congrats to Kiki Khan and Michelle Yeoh on their accomplishments. Um, looking forward to at some point. I think I will brave the um, <laughs> the cesspool that is Hollywood Island to go find these stars and like take a picture. Okay, yeah, just don't touch anything. You're there. <laughs> I, I'm. Yeah, I'm there often enough for screenings and th- and events. So, you know, I'll just yeah. check them out. I'll check out the stars too. Yeah, next time we go to watch Fast 11 because you have to know what happens after that Danbro <laughs> blows up. <sighs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Do We Want This and this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Um, at just your tweets on Twitter. And I'm at Anonymous. <laughs> you can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, I guess have a great holiday weekend. Um, it is the 4th of July next week, which means we observe it pro- this weekend, right? I mean, you're going to get fireworks if you haven't already for two weeks um yes you're gonna get it's it already non-stop. started yeah, yeah. I, yes i think i heard my first fireworks two weeks oh, no. ago so it's gonna yes. just be constant now how's chowder yes. doing Jess? not great <laughs> my cats run inside too oh, no. and yeah just- it's it's not great um the piccolo peats absolutely not those are the loud shrill oh, ones yeah, yeah. uh and and you know you were good it's la so we're gonna be getting some illegal fireworks all through the night all weekend it's gonna be terrible yeah because it's not, not my favorite holiday <laughs> it's not till tuesday and then you're gonna get all the lingering ones because they didn't get to use them all yeah so, all the leftover fireworks yeah. you know i i try to be understanding like this might not be my um but like i'm like fine if you want to do fourth of july i'll even give you the weekend but like after absolutely not like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> yeah We'll see y'all next time. Bye, everybody. All right, bye. bye. Hey, Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 